0: Hey, you're listening to Blue Gene Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Gene Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluegeneselma.com. That is that is amazing that we had videos and stuff this morning. That was so awesome. I mean, when have we ever done that, y'all? That's a definite upgrade for those of you that that have, you, those of you that have been coming to Blue Jean. I mean, you know, whoo! That was, I'm leaving my head spinning. Videos at Blue Jean. woo! Come on. <laughs> that was awesome. Anyway, thank y'all. Great job. It's gonna be fun. Um, yeah, let's pray, and then we'll get going. Uh, Lord, we, we love you this morning. We do. I think of that song, Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one, Lord, our hearts adore. Yeah, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for your faithfulness, for your love, for your mercy and kindness, for your patience, for your vision. Lord, I pray for your anointing now, that the words that, are, that I speak would have power. Yeah, just explode. Lord, uh, Holy Spirit, just give revelation and understanding this morning at a deeper level. Come, Lord. Have your way. Amen. Amen. Cool um well, i was when I was praying about uh what to speak, most often when I get something, it comes through life experience for me, and I was thinking what I was going to talk about this morning was really going to be more of um uh, based on a dream I had that I had shared with somebody this this past week, and I was thinking that was the direction. And so Thursday morning in my uh, quiet time as I was praying and, and uh, uh, spend, hanging out with Jesus, um, I just said, Hey, what, what's on your heart? What's on your heart this for Sunday? And I'm, this is what I'm thinking. Is that what you want me to talk about? And if it is, confirm. If it's not, give me something else. You know, I'm just I'm just listening. And so I sat there for a minute, got nothing, <clears throat> got up, went in, got another cup of coffee, came back out on the porch, and was sit, sat down in the swing. And I thought, well, let me, let me look at my Instagram feed. And so, you know, I looked at my Instagram feed, and a video popped up. I follow Alabama football on my Instagram, uh, and, a, and a video feed popped up of a motivational speaker that had come to speak to the Alabama football team. And uh, <clears throat> it said, this video's gone viral in a day, like two million people saw it. And, and so I clicked on it. It's about six minutes. We're going to play it this morning, but I think Josh was saying that maybe Facebook would kick us off uh, if we played it. So you're stuck with me telling you a little bit about it, okay? All right, so... Every year, Coach Saban, and I'm sure all the other coaches do it too, get motivational speakers to come. And there's a guy i would never heard of, Pete Johnson, Peter Johnson something. Maybe you have that wrong. But he's apparently on some talk show or something with some famous athletes. And he was talking about uh, an experience that he had in his life. He's a God guy. I looked him up. I Googled it on YouTube, and he's got some God videos uh, that he talks about God. And so he's, he talks about, he says he comes home from work one day and his wife says, we've got to adopt a Romanian orphan. And he's like, what? We've already got two kids. You know, what, what are you talking about? And he says, and we, we go to Romania. And when we get to Romania, we go to the orphanage. And he said, apparently they're where, they warehouse children that don't have parents or they were at this point and the ones that had disabilities they basically just throw them away and um and so they get there and the nurse has a baby and they they take a baby and she says oh you don't want that one he's no good and and Pete says can you imagine and so they take the baby, they adopt the baby, bring the baby home, and he's diagnosed with muscular dystrophy. I don't know much about that disease, but I remember children in my life experience in grammar school and that kind of thing. One, one in particular had it, and it's a degenerative disease. Muscles don't develop, uh, it becomes increasingly difficult to walk and function. And and so this child has muscular dystrophy, okay. And and so fast forward to high school, and this this boy's going to a public school in in Georgia, and the basketball coach comes to Pete and his wife, the adopted parents, and say said I want I'm gonna call him James. I want James to be on the basketball team. He, he'll be our five-foot, uh, and he's in a wheelchair, he'll be our five-foot super weapon. And he said the coach told him, because uh, the parents were like, why would you want him on your basketball team? I mean, he's, he can't do anything. He said, I want, I want for two reasons. He said, I want to, I want to teach our team about maximum effort. Because for James to move, even to move, the simplest motions, takes maximum effort. And he said, two, James, when you see him, he does, he always would do, I don't know if this is actually the sign for love in sign language, but he would sign language, and if you wiggle your finger, it means love you too. So he would do his hand like that, and he would communicate, saying, I love you. And if somebody did it back, he'd say, I love you too. And so that's how this coach met this young boy. And so he said, and I want to teach our team about compassion, being a better human, and I want to teach them about love. And he said, you know, the senior night for the basketball team, he said, You know, when when James is called to get his award too, he said, everybody in the place gives them all a standing ovation and everybody's doing this. And, uh, you know, I'm just like, whoa, my gosh. You know, I'm just drinking coffee on the back porch and I just got smacked in the face with conviction about love. And... The focus of the message this morning shifted completely. Because the minute that happened, I was had tears running down my face watching it. And if you could have seen it, yours would too. Um my mind went to Wednesday nights, the last two Wednesday nights. And for those of you that have been to Grow Blue Jean, the The consistent theme that I've heard on Wednesday nights is love. It's like my mind just started racing about people coming here and experiencing love. That um, Alberta gave such a great testimony about being loved here. And Alberta, you love well too. You, You do that. Um, Miss Amy, so many, so many people just talking about the love that they've experienced here, the love of God, as well as the love of other people. Now, I would be the first to confess, we we haven't always done that well. We want to, but sometimes we fail. Me too, as an individual or as a church. But we want to love well, and that was what Blue Jean was founded on. Was, was wanting to love people, love anybody and everybody, regardless of what was going on in their lives. Love was the thing. And so I was thinking, well, this morning, we're going to talk about love. And, and so I spent two hours. I didn't have to go to court to 10 o'clock. And I was there early. So I spent two hours looking at Scripture about Love. I just went to the concordance in the back of my NIV study Bible. And I just started looking up scriptures about love and reading them and thinking about them. And I saw some patterns from the scripture. I saw some spiritual principles and some points that I wanted to share with y'all this morning about love. My mama would always say this. She said... um, The only thing that matters is love. It's the only thing. It's all about love, son. It's all about love. And so let's talk about that. First of all, the first point that I saw in reading the Scriptures was we're commanded to love. It's commanded. It's not optional. Uh, If you look in Matthew chapter 22, if you got your Bibles, flip them open. 22:37 In verse 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, "Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law?" And Jesus replied, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind." This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. It's like the law of Moses is summed up in love. If you look at the Ten Commandments, a lot of the Ten Commandments are really about loving people. Don't commit adultery. Don't covet. Let's like, don't be jealous, you know, Uh, those kinds of things. It's really about how we treat people with love and respect. I saw another. Look in Romans chapter 13. Now, there's a million scriptures. We don't have time. I just kind of asked the Holy Spirit to narrow down what we were supposed to talk about in a few minutes this morning. But there's a billion scriptures dealing with love in in the scripture. All right, look at Romans 13. Look at verse 9 through 10. Beginning verse 8, we'll say, let no, uh, verse 9, The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and what, whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So we're commanded to love, and I'm sitting there as I'm seeing this. I'm thinking, well, I'm totally screwed because I can't love like that. You know, my love is finite. My, my love gets cold. My love is lazy. I don't want to inconvenience myself. And in the video, the guy was saying when his wife said, we've got to adopt this Romanian, a Romanian orphan, he was like, you're going off script for me. I've got the script. We've got two kids. We've got this. We've got that. You're talking about going off script. You're talking about messing up my routine. You're talking about making me uncomfortable, stretching me, changing the whole thing. You know, we had, we had Miles here, my grandson, for a week. I had to sleep on a sleeping heating pad one night because he's so heavy, hauling him around. It got my back out of whack. And, uh, but... It was all about love. It was so awesome. It was work. It was off script. But it was awesome. It was all about love. I love that little boy. And and so it's like love is the big deal, but I'm like, I was sitting on the back porch saying, Lord, how do I do that? I fall so short. And, you know, conviction's different than condemnation. I wasn't, I wasn't feeling condemned. I wasn't feeling like a scumbag. I was, what a, conviction makes you want to do differently. Condemnation makes you feel like a scumbag. But I was wanting to do differently. I was wanting to, to be that person or to be that kind of person that God could trust to love. And so here's the second principle. Good news, guys. God doesn't leave us to our own, own ability. He doesn't, you know, the religion does this. It says, here is the standard. Now do the best you can to get there, work as hard as you can. Now that's, that's an old covenant mindset. But the new covenant says, here's the standard. Let's work together to get there. I'll give you the grace and the power. I'll transform your heart. I will enable you. I will create and give the power for you to love. If you'll come to me and you'll ask me, that's a very different scenario. It, took, it takes the heat off. And so as I'm looking at the Scripture, let's look at a couple of places where, where this principle is laid out in the Word. Look at uh, James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Every good and perfect thing comes from the Father. Love is is good. Love is perfect. And so it's very clear that this comes from the Father. If you look at 1 John I mean, first John, John, the apostle John, to me, I would call him the apostle of love. He's the guy that put his head on Jesus' chest when they were sitting at the Last Supper. He's he was the one Jesus said to take care of his mama when Jesus was on the cross. I mean, this dude was like a love machine. You know? And when he wrote uh, about God and he wrote the letters of first John, he talks a lot about the love of God. That's a consistent theme for him in the books that he wrote. If you'll look at First John chapter, uh, chapter, uh, let's see, one. Hold on, it's chapter. I forgot to write down the chapter, but it's verse. It's four, chapter four, verse seven and eight, I believe. Yes. Listen to this. It's chapter four, verse seven and eight. Dear friends. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. And I'm like, hallelujah. If I'm commanded to love, guess who's got all the love needed for me to follow and to obey? God does, because it comes from him. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That's powerful. That's like saying everything's just kind of about love. It's summed up in love. It's crazy. And it says, this is how God showed us, showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. I mean, it's like, for God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. He demonstrated it for us. And this this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I mean, you can keep reading that, and it's just basically the same thing over and over. I mean, it's, it's interconnected. If we are walking with God as a Christian, we, we must love. We're called to love. We're called to go off script. We're called to inconvenience. If you look at Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 it's the fruit of the spirit. And it, and you know it says in the scripture if you read that you can go to it if you want to but it says but the fruit singular of the spirit not not multi, not uh, plural it's not fruits of the spirit. It's like if you're hanging out with Jesus and the Holy Spirit lives in you you get all the fruit. The Holy Spirit begins to produce fruit in you. You bear fruit, but you begin to experience the fruit of the Spirit. And the first one is love. Love, joy, peace. And then goes on down the line. But it's love. So when you're experiencing God, when you're in relationship, when you're hanging out, if God is love... We just read that in 1 John, and he is. Then, if he lives in us, guess what's going to start happening to us? We're going to start loving people. We're going to start loving God. We're going to start loving other people in ways that we haven't before. And it's not going to be so much work as it is, as it would have been without him. It's a process. But it's that old pickle juice thing. You make a pickle by sticking a cucumber in the pickle juice and just leaving it. You don't tell the cucumber to change or make make itself into a pickle. It can't. You just leave it in the juice and pretty soon it tastes like a pickle, not a cucumber. Same thing with the Holy Spirit. You hang out with the Holy Spirit and he gets all in you. He starts soaking you and you begin to act more and more like Jesus. It just happens. I want to read Ephesians. What I do when I, when I do when I study the Scripture, my go-to is the NIV Study Bible. I've had it since 1995. I've had to have it recovered. I've marked it up so bad it's crazy. And uh, I tore it apart. I had to get it recovered. Um, but this is my go-to for study. It has a great concordance. It has great footnotes. But when I want to see what another translation uh, says, I look at King James a lot. Uh, I go to um, New Living Translation. Some are, are word for word, some are not. Uh, but the passion is one that, that works things in ways that helps open up Scripture in a new way for me. And I wanted to read for y'all Ephesians Chapter 3, in the, in the um, Passion Translation. This is a prayer that Paul did. Listen to what the Passion Translation says. He says in verse 16, I pray that he... Within you, he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your inmost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you, and the resting place of his love will become the very source of. And root of your life that's the that's the passion translation of what when I read that I was like oh my gosh well it's like Paul's prayer for us is that the Holy Spirit the Spirit of God Spirit of Jesus we would be so rooted in that in our inmost being we would be resting in his love And it would become the very source and root of our lives. It's like the source of our love for others is God's love for us. As we rest, as we marinate in his love, it comes out of us to other people. It's from overflow. I remember Emery Hicks, my nephew, well, he was, he's a worshiper. And he would say that worship leaders lead worship out of overflow. Not out of performance. Rick, you do it all the time. Just, just from relationship. It just comes out. And, um, and that's what happens with us when we walk with the Lord in love. And so, first, first point that I saw was, you're commanded to love, Bob. The second is, pressure's off. You hang out with me. You marinate in me. I am love, and I'm going to give you the ability to love. You just hang out with me, so no pressure. You just, you just hang out with me. All right? The, th- the third point is that love is a verb. That's John Mayer, by the way. I'm, I'm a cool, cool dude. My daughter and some others like John Mayer, so I'm on to John Mayer, and I like his music. And one of his songs on our playlist is Love is a Verb. and He doesn't sing it in a Christian context, but love is a verb. It's, it requires action. And uh, if you want to look at a story, or let me see, uh, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I know there's a lot of scripture this morning. Um, but there's, it's, it's all, this is all straight from the Word. First Corinth, or 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. Paul is saying, um, he says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. It's like he's trying to get the word out for Jesus. He's spending time with the Corinthians and he's telling them why. He says, God, Jesus' love compels me. It's like, the guy in the video that I was talking about, what happened is his wife was moved by what she saw was going on with the Romanian children. And so love compelled her to action, and it compelled him to action. It, there's an action part of love. The story of the Good Samaritan is a great parable of love in action. Y'all know the story. Uh, Jesus, the Pharisees were, were like, you know, who's my neighbor? Trying to justify how they could not love the Samaritans or the Romans or whatever. And Jesus tells this parable. It's in Luke chapter 10. And he basically, this is, I'll just read it. It's not very long. It's very short. Chapter 10 Verse 25, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, what's written in the law? He replied, how do you, how do you read it? And the, the Pharisee said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so he's like, well, I got that check. I got that right. You know, it's like, check it off. It's the law. And Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. It says, but he wanted to justify himself, so he said to Jesus, who's my neighbor? It's like, yeah, but wait a minute. Let's qualify this. And in reply, Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest, preacher man, okay, church guy happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man he passed by on the other side so too a levite another preacher man kind of person church guy when he came to the place saw him and passed by on the other side but a samaritan as he traveled by came where the man was and when he saw him he took pity on him he was moved by compassion he was moved by compassion and compassion is rooted in love And so, this guy's going on a trip, too. He's on a journey somewhere. But he sees the need, and he stops. He's moved, compelled by love to do something. And he went, and he bandaged his wounds, poured oil and wine on him, took the man on his own donkey to the inn. You know, I mean, how many times? This literally happened to me yesterday uh, when I was coming back into town for a second. Uh, uh, No, it was this morning. It was this morning out here on Highway 80. There was somebody pulled over uh, with the hood of their car up, and I'm driving up to the big intersection, and there was a car in front of me that pulled over, and I said, Lord, thank you so much that you did that, that I didn't have to pull over this morning because I'm about to speak about something that if I drove by, I would be the biggest hypocrite that ever lived. And so I was so glad I didn't have to go off script. And, and help that person. I mean, you know, we're just human. we got to be real. But, but this guy w- was the guy that stopped. And he paid for his time in the inn, told the innkeeper that he'd pay extra. And, the, and so Jesus says in verse 36 to the, to the Pharisee, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. And listen to what Jesus said. Go and do likewise. Scripture is full of instances. Love is a verb. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, I love, I love, I love, but, uh, you know, I love, I love, I love. But, you know, it's a verb. It requires going off script, inconvenience, and a lot of times, no thanks and mess. All right, here's another one. Here's another one. This one surprised me. I didn't see this one coming. That love is tied in and related to obedience. It's over and over and over in the Scripture. The first one I read was, I was like, ah, oh, that's a misprint. You know, probably not. You know, whatever. I'm just kidding. But it, it's in there so many times, it's like I felt like the Lord was really nailing it down that He calls us, if, if we obey, that's how we show our love for Him. Now, don't, don't rely on me. Let's look at what He says in the Scripture. Look at... John 14. John 14, verse 15. Jesus says this, If you love me, you'll obey what I command. Boom. <laughs> it's like, drop the mic. <laughs> okay? So I read that, and I'm like, okay, 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 I get it. One point, one point. But then in verse 21, he said, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's the one that loves me. Yeah. And it says, he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. So when we obey, and it shows that we love Jesus, he wants to to, uh, hang out. It's like, ooh, it releases power from heaven. I don't know. It's crazy. Look at verse chapter 15. Look at 12 through 14. He says, my command is this. Command now. You know? You know know the drill. When you command something, it's on. When you suggest something, that's different. But it's commandment. He said, uh, in verse chapter 15, verse 12. My command is this love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for a friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. Oh. There's a connection there. Uh, Look at 1 John 5, 2 through 3. The Apostle John writes it too. 1 John, flip back towards the back. 1 John 5, 2 through 3. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God, to obey his commands. You know, it's like wow. And uh, in Second John, this in verse six, this is what it says: "I ask that we love one another, and this is love that we walk in obedience to His commandments." As you have heard from the beginning, His command is that we uh, that you walk in love. So there is a real connection with obedience to Him, to doing what He says do, and acting. Not just saying, oh, we love, we love. No, we're patting ourselves on the back. We're just so loving and we just love and love. And then when somebody's broken down on the side of the road, you know, cruising by with my gangster lean, you know. I'm not saying everybody pulls over. I'm using that as an example from my life. I'm not saying everybody has to. But that happened to me this morning and I was so glad somebody else went off script and it wasn't me. And I'm thinking, i got to get down to Blue Jane. i got I to speak this morning. i got all these things i got to do. And Jesus says, just love my people. Love my people. Follow my commands. If you, if you follow my commands, you do love me. It's how you show your love for me. It's to, it's to do what I've asked you to do. You know, 1 Corinthians 13. We're getting close to wrapping this up. 1 Corinthians 13. You know, it's the love chapter. But, you know, the next point, we, we started out with we're commanded to love. The second point is pressure's off. If we hang out with God, he'll give us the love. The third point was God's uh, love's a verb. It requires action. The fourth is love. It is, is all connected with obedience. That's how we show we love is that we obey and do what he says do. The fourth point is to give a description of what love looks like. And Paul does this great in 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, verse 4. Love is patient. So if I'm impatient with somebody, and I, and I am, that's not love. You know? I've snapped on people in court. And I've had to I make it a point in court in front of everybody to apologize to the person that I've snapped on. I do that on purpose. And I always say, just because I'm a judge doesn't give me the right to be rude to you. And I'm sorry. Uh, But I'm impatient sometimes. But love is patient. It doesn't snap on people. It's kind. It's just kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It is not rude. Oh, my gosh. Call, get somebody telemarketer on the phone calls. Click. We all do it, you know. It's not self-seeking, not easily angered, you know. It keeps no record of wrong. That's a good one. That's a good one. doesn't delight in evil, rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. And so love looks like feeding people, you know, being kind to people. Uh, You know, some of the ministries that we've had here at Blue Jean and other churches have and other people have that come to Blue Jean, that is love. But what, what strikes me here? as I was meditating on this, that love from the Scripture also requires action of the soul. That's what came to me as I'm sitting there. It's like, Bob, it's not just feeding people. It's not just pulling over and helping that person. There are actions in your soul that have to happen. It's forgiveness it's mercy. It's not being so damn judgmental about everybody. It's not being rude and and uh, holding a grudge. You know, I, I'll I'll tell one on me recently. You know. Uh, uh, when you're a judge and you're involved in, in stuff, you just make people mad. You think about it. You got two people coming into court, and when you have to make a decision for one person and against the other, one, somebody mad, is mad at you all the time, you know, you just becomes part of what you do. And uh, <laughs> go campaign after you've been a judge for a while, and see what happens. Sometimes I had some guy tear up my card in front of me and say, "I wouldn't vote for you for dog catcher. You you decided against me in court." And I'm like, "Have a good day. I'll see you." You know, whatever. It just happens. But there was a situation in, in my life where there was broken relationship. And I felt like the Lord told me specifically in, in a time of worship and prayer to reach out to this person and ask them to work with me on something. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. You know? I don't want to do that. And I'm like, you know, what if they respond with arrogance and they reject me? And I'm then I'm going to have to work through all that again. I've forgiven them, but I don't want to stir up all those emotions again. I just don't want to fool with it. But it was specific. It was this person to do this thing. And so I was like, okay, I'll do it. And then I wrestled with it for a week. I tried to ignore it and it didn't go away. And the next week, I said, all right, I'll do it. And I sat down and I did it, texted them. And the response was really good. And I could tell the Lord is at work. And there's going to be peace in that relationship. I know, it, I know it will. And the Lord's told me that it's not really about the thing. It's about reconciliation and peace. And so, that is about going off script in your soul. If you take anything away from today, take that. It's off script in your soul. It's, I just saw Rick. Rick, you're the best mercy giver in the history of the world. You have cut me off and cut me short by from jam, jamming on somebody with the kindness and mercy that you give. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I just saw you and it came to mind. You are such a great example of that. And um, me too. Great word, Rick. You've experienced it. It's easier to give it. And so the Lord calls us to go off script in our soul, to show love, to forgive, to give mercy, to reach out, to be willing to be rejected again, to be willing to make the first step, you know? And to do it in here. That's what love looks like. That's what obedience looks like. And it drives God crazy with love for us. He can't stay away from it. (laughs) He's all over it. And that's what he calls us to do. The effects of this, I'll wrap this up very quickly. If you want to look at it, Corinthians 2, 2. The effect of love is unity. When we love each other, it brings unity. It does. And that's a high value in the kingdom. Paul, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, it covers a multitude of sin. So, like, you know, if I'm, if I'm ugly to somebody or whatever, if they love me, they're going to throw some grace on it and say, oh, it's okay, Bob. I forgive you. Or maybe they won't even tell me. They just do it in their heart, you know, and vice versa. 1 uh, Corinthians 8, verse 1, I thought it was awesome. It said, "Love pu- uh, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. I mean, if you're walking in love, you're building people up. You're not tearing them down. You're building places up. You're not tearing them down. You're building communities up. When you love Selma, you're not ragging on Selma. You're building Selma up. Ephesians chapter 4 says, if you speak truth in love, we grow up into the head who is Christ. We mature. And it ushers in the presence. We just read it in John 14, verse 21. Jesus will show himself to us. It ushers in his presence. When we love, he's here when we're loving. And he's in our midst when we love. Incredible presence. Incredible effect of love. And so, I'm going to close with uh, prayer. We're going to do a little worship, and we'll close with communion. And, uh, yeah. Lord, we just come to you right now, and we just say, you know, Lord, we just confess our weakness, our inability to, to meet the requirements of the law. But, Lord, you are the one that met all the requirements of the law, and you give us the power and transform us so that we can follow you and obey you and love like you you love. Lord, fill us this morning. Our prayer is that you would give us that desire to be with you, to hang out with you, to marinate in your presence so that your love fills us, and then out of that overflow, Lord, we love others well. Lord, we want that. We confess we're not where we want to be, but we've got the desire to love well, and that we would be known as, as people that love, and love well. Do it, Lord. We ask that. And I know that's a prayer in accordance with your will. And so your word tells us that when we pray in accordance with your will, we have the confidence to know that we have what we've asked. So we thank you for giving that to us this morning. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.